Welcome to Movie Maniacs, discussing the greatest movies of all time and all the new films in theaters and streaming that you need to know about. Like us, rate us, share us. Good evening, everybody. My name is Chuck Curry alongside my my co-host, Kenny B. This is Movie Maniacs, our weekly radio show uh, and podcast dealing with the wonderful world of motion pictures, anything and everything that has to deal with the world of movies, television, and I guess anything related to uh, pop culture. Interesting uh, week ahead, the sun is starting to shine, the temperatures are getting warmer. I would expect more and more people to start to go to the movies. We just had Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 come out. I got a chance to see it the other day. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. Our main segment at the end of the latter half of this program will be our top 10 favorite movies that we like and dig and recommend from the year uh, 2000 to 2009, the last few weeks. We've done the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. We're back now into the 2000s, and uh, I hand it off to my co-host, Kenny B. What is on your mind, Ken? Well, first of all, I thought that was interesting. You almost called me a ho-coast, people. I, that we would, <laughs> that, that's, kind of, that's the kind of thing that got uh, people yeah. like Howard I'm Stern a, in I'm trouble. A little, I'm, a li- I'm a little tired, <laughs> okay. but I have I'm wonderful. I was out on a boat this afternoon. Uh, beautiful day for a blue skies. Just anchor wow. the boat and and uh, read for a while. Um, a couple things I want to tell you. I, I saw this week on Amazon the outfit, um, which okay. is it, a great play on words. The title because when you think of the outfit, you think of organized crime, but yeah. also the guy is a cutter, and he tells you he is a cutter. He is not a tailor. A tailor is just somebody who has a needle and sews. Anybody can be a tailor. A cutter is the one who actually you know, lays out the fabric, cuts the fabric and whatever. Uh, Mark Rylance, Zoe Deutsch, um, Leah Thompson's daughter. And uh, wow, she got Leah's good looks, I think. But it's other than the last scene, which takes about five seconds of the guy walking out of his shop, the entire movie is set inside this tailor shop and it's it's the quirkiest movie you'll ever find uh, i really wasn't sure what it was going to be but it had so many it had more twists and turns than a um, a, a bag a, a bag of you know that uh, twirly pasta i really recommend <laughs> i recommend it to people it was really i really enjoyed it because as silly as it was at times you didn't expect the ending, which then led to another thing you didn't expect, which led to another thing you didn't expect. The other thing I did this week is I saw a man called Otto, and oh. and uh, I was reading some reviews on the Internet Movie Database by uh-huh. by people who say that Tom Hanks can't act, and I wonder what planet these people are on. But I told a friend of mine who we send back and forth suggestions for. For movies because I told her to to see it and she said oh she saw it, it was really good so yeah I cried I at the it. end and she said yeah. if you don't yeah I mean you can't if you're alive you can't help but crying and I'm not sure whether I cried out of sorrow for him or out of happiness for all that he did but it was a great movie yeah I really liked it I was surprised how involving uh, and emotionally powerful that the film was and I mean it had a pretty decent run at the box office not enormous but you know for a more adult oriented type of a film I, I think it uh it did about i think it did about 60 m- million dollars and by the way i just want to point out our show we've heard on uh whoa whoa w-o-w-o 
uh, every Saturday night, midnight, uh, at a Fort Wayne, Indiana. I just wanted to point that out. I got one question before I bounce into my uh, review of Guardians of, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. How do you determine what you're going to watch when you start streaming and you got the remote in your hand uh, and you say, okay, I want to sit down, I got a little quiet time, let, let me pick out a program. One, how much do you watch uh, in a week and, and how do you determine what you're going to watch? I watch a maximum of three hours a day. Television doesn't go on before seven. It goes off okay. at 10. So somewhere okay. in around there. Um, I, I have a... I'll, I'll have a, uh, a series running so that if I don't have anything else that I want to watch as far as a movie, I'll watch the series. But mostly it's the things that pop up where, where it gives you the recommendations or it says, hey, this is number one in the U.S. this week or whatever. And the thing popped up for the outfit. And I said, hey, I got to watch that, see what it's about. And uh, that's how I found it. But it's, it's totally, it, it is push from... Netflix and from Amazon far more than this pull of me going and looking at it. I just started the yeah. Cle the Cleopatra uh, mini series, which is causing all kind of trouble because it's ignited the the argument as to what race Cleopatra was, and which we really don't need to fight about that. But I started yeah. watching that, and um, the thing popped up that oh, I I have to go watch uh, Olaf. I haven't seen him yet because I'm, you know I, I don't know how long it's been on. Netflix, but it popped up that they had, it, and it's like I gotta watch it. Yeah, I gotta tell you, you know, me and Mike used to have this discussion. When you go to Netflix, right? They have that top ten movies uh, of of the week, and what they do is they take a movie that could be, you know, fifteen years old, ten years old, right around that period. Like last week or two weeks ago, I put on Netflix, and I see number three movie of the week, The Thing, which is not Carpenter's uh, uh, thing from uh, 83 but or 80, or yeah from 83 or 82 actually but the 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 sequel or the prequel with uh from from uh like 10 like 12 13 years ago and i'm like i say to myself is that really real like are that many people watching a movie that didn't really do great doesn't have much of a legacy i mean I, it's a watchable time killer but just because netflix puts it in their top 10 does that make people say, oh, it's in their top 10, I gotta go watch this movie? I, I just think it, it works to subliminal, uh, psychological effect. I think it's interesting. I don't know if I buy the stats or not, but the way Netflix cues movies, uh, older ones, uh, to try to re-energize uh, interest, I, I find uh, actually pretty interesting. And I think that's actually a good way to do it. Obviously, the formula must work there, uh, you know, as a streamer. They're still probably the most successful streamer in the uh, industry. Now, I did get a chance to watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 actually yesterday. Sat in the theater, watched it. I brought my wife, uh, and we watched it with two other people were in the back row. And I got to tell you, Ken, even though I wasn't overly excited because I'm having a lot of – I'm having more of a hard time mustering the excitement I had five years ago for Superhero Fair. But I got to tell you, I really did enjoy it. I thought uh, this film directed by James Gunn is like two-and-a-half-hour running time. Uh, I, I thought it had a lot of entertainment value. I thought the movie moved pretty good. The cast, uh, I thought the, the cast chemistry and the banter between all of them was, was top notch. I thought they were all in. The effects were really good. I thought it was emotionally pretty powerful as the story centered on Rocket Raccoon. Uh, they do deal with the villain in this movie with animal cruelty. 
uh, him being a raccoon and other uh, animals that are subjected to scientific experiments. And I was like, ooh, it, it sort of like um, was a little creepy, but the, the, the power that came out of it, I thought uh, had really nice payoff. Uh, there was certainly resolution in this film. It appears that this cast of the Guardians, for the most, most not all of them, but a lot of them, I don't think you're going to see anymore. Uh, Chris Pratt had a great end scene of him and his, his Star-Lord. Uh, at the end of this film, that I thought was a mo- very, very emotionally powerful. I was the, as was the rocket story uh, line. Rocket Raccoon. I thought Dave Batista uh, once again is is Drax destroyer. Shows he's a fan. He is a really good actor, and his career is extremely bright because I, I think despite the fact that he's a, a big a big dude, uh, as you could tell in Cabin in the in the Woods, he gave a really good performance in this movie. Uh, Karen Gillian, uh, I thought his performance was excellent in this film. They were all good. Uh, I'd give this movie, uh, I'd give it an 8 out of 10. I I, I liked it. Uh, and, and when I was watching it, I said to myself, I'm enjoying this movie. I just wish that we would get less superhero movies so when they do come out, they would feel more special. Uh, I, I'm not, I, I know I've been a little hard on superhero movies on this program over the last few months. It's not that I don't like them, because I do. It's I do dig them. And it's not that I don't want to see them. I just don't want to see every other movie being a superhero movie. But I got to tell you, Ken, I, I did enjoy this installment in the uh, the Guardians uh, franchise. No, you, don't, you, don't, you don't have to give anything away, but I heard a rumor <laughs> that Groot passes away from Dutch Elm disease. Is that true? <laughs> no, he doesn't. But okay. I got to tell you, I don't want to give away a spoiler, but in all the Guardian movies, Groot says one line, I am Groot. Uh, there's a possibility here. I'm not going to give it away, but they do. They maybe do a little bit of a variation on that one line uh, at the end of the film, which made me belly laugh uh, pretty hard. I still wonder, you know, Vin Diesel voices Groot, and all he does is say, I am Groot. I wonder what, I mean, why do they need Vin Diesel, and why do they pay him, you think, Ken, to say one line? Uh, and every, you know, repeatedly, but he's just, you know, I am Groot, I am Groot, but it's Vin Diesel's voice, he's in the credits. I guess that helps in their marketing, but yes. uh, I always found it very interesting. Yeah, it clearly helps you know, it's, in it's, their it's, uh, marketing. It's funny because I was talking to our, our friend who's in the movie business last week about yeah. the uh, upcoming sequel to uh, Shrek, and he was saying mm-hmm. he, didn't, he didn't know whether Eddie would come back to do Donkey, and he said that... Right? He, he had a heck of a time convincing Eddie to do animated voices, and it's like really, it's like it's it's the easiest job in in acting because you can basically do it in your underwear because Eddie actually did all of his voices for Donkey in his home studio. You know, just as we're recording here, you know, you, I don't see why anybody would ever pass up the paycheck of being no, an animated either. voice. I, I would agree with you. Now, just uh, in the next 30 days, these are some of the big movies that you're going to see theatrically. And I, I think this is going to be the first time uh, since uh, post-COVID where you're going to have this type of an onslaught of massive, big-budget popcorn films all entering the marketplace within a 30-day span. You have Guardians Volume 3, which is in theaters now. You're going to have uh, very soon Fast and the Furious X, which is Fast and the Furious 10, a wildly expensive movie that some say costs well over $300 million because they had to change directors. Uh, the original director, I think Justin Lin, walked from the project. They had to bring in a new 
director, that caused a lot of uh, d- delays and, and, and scheduling issues. So you have that. You have Disney's live action version of The Little Mermaid, Ken, which they did a a, uh, a screening of. And according to a response on Twitter, the response for the most part was extremely uh, positive. So I think that's good news for Disney. I, I, I think uh, a lot of theaters want Little Mermaid live action to be a good movie because they need that uh, for their sizable family uh, audience. You got another Transformers movie. I, I gotta tell you, I have very little interest in a new Transformers movie. I thought that franchise sort of crashed and burned for me uh, after the first one way back then with Shia LaBeouf and, and, and Megan Fox. I did like the third one. Never really seen the other ones theatrically. I watched them on cable, but to me, they're just wildly expensive time killers that I don't see uh, much of the point. Oh, Bumblebee was was pretty good, and, and that that uh, got good notices and did did well. But they continue to think that uh, Transformers is going to pull in a lot of people into uh, theaters. Are you a fan of Transformers? You have an opinion on that? I, I'm I'm not a big fan. I, I can remember. Gosh, I can remember. Maybe it started off maybe as a TV show even, but I can remember back in the. 70s or 80s my wife's uh, little cousin playing yeah. with uh, Optimus Prime and things like that but no I was never not even when they filmed it you know did filming in Bethlehem for the one uh, Transformers movie did I really get into it it's not not my cup of tea uh, Little Mermaid is my cup of tea and I am very much looking forward to that one yeah I, I'm getting more uh, juiced about it and I, and I really do hope it's uh, an enjoyable uh, motion picture. Some movie news of interest. This is, uh, I never really thought this was going to happen, but it appears now Warner Brothers has set a release date, September uh, 2024, for Beetlejuice 2, the original Beetlejuice, which was a, uh, a nice size hit, uh, generationally very popular uh, over, over the years. Uh, September t- uh, 2024, Tim Burton will come back to direct. It will be his first directorial effort since directing Dumbo, live-action Dumbo, over at Disney, which he said he did not have a good, good experience filming that movie. Michael Keaton will be back in, this, in the title role. Uh, Winona Ryder will be back. She was one of the stars in the original. Jenna Ortiz, who's now become a popular pop culture uh, celebrity off Wednesday. She's already hosted Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live. She's one of the stars of the last two Scream movies. Uh, I know they just cast somebody else. Monica Bellucci was just cast. So they're, they're full steam ahead on, on Beetlejuice 2. Danny Elfman, who scored the original film and most of Burton's work, says he's very excited about coming back to this project. I gotta just say this before we give an opinion on, on a Beetlejuice 2. I always felt Beetlejuice was a one and done like I never said in my head okay and I saw Beetlejuice uh, nine times in the theater Ken Uh, even after the first time I was sort of mixed it grew on me uh, like a lot of Tim Burton's early work and I just I love Michael Keaton the movie grew on me I had a great time with general audiences uh, on on weekend showings back in 88 but I never said to myself boy this movie needs a sequel I understand why they want to do it I do think it'll be very big if it's done correctly but uh you know, so many years later, 88 to 2024, that's a long span. And kudos to Michael Keaton, who's probably got a big paycheck for Batman in The Flash. And obviously, he's going to get a very big paycheck for uh, Beetlegeist in uh, The Ghost with the Most in Beetlejuice 2. Thoughts on that one? 
Yeah, I, I don't know what you do to, you know, what is the hook going to be that makes it different? Or is it just, oh, we're going to have a whole new audience for a, for a new one? That'll be the interesting thing because... Yeah, they're going to need a good hook. They are going to need a, a really interesting uh, hook in this one. Uh, but I, I, I think they'll find a way. I, re- I really do. And I love the fact that Michael Keaton, who I've always loved, a big fan of uh, diverse uh, talent going back to movies like Night Shift and Gung Ho and, and doing serious fare like Clean and Sober, which was a terrific movie, and Beetlejuice, and then he got Batman and had some bumps along the way. It's actually a big decade-long bump, and then you know Birdman sort of revived Keaton's career, and uh, you know, and then he got to the Marvel Universe playing Vulture, and he was really good in that Spider-Man uh, movie. But you know, coming back as Bruce Wayne, Batman. Uh, I, I, I gotta tell you, like, I, I am so looking forward to that Flash movie on June 16th, more than any, probably any movie that's going to be released uh, this year. So uh, I, I think that's actually really cool. Yeah, it'll be, uh, be very interesting. Uh, let's bounce into, before we get into our main topic again, which is our top 10 favorite movies that we recommend, love, for whatever reason, from 2000 to 2009. We'll, I'm going to do some... Uh, some, some this day in uh, movie or this week in, in movie or, or TV history. May 8th, 1963, Ken, first James Bond movie, Dr. No, premieres in theater. Theaters, they cultivated Sean Connery to be a big uh, icon on the big screen, and they launched it correctly because uh, James Bond with Sean Connery obviously became an iconic pop culture icon, and it started this week in movie history, 19. 19- 63 and and the rest was history the rest was uh history some other uh, uh here's a tv one may 10 1987 final episode of laverne and shirley airs on uh abc it was a spin-off of happy days ultimately wound up becoming even a tweak more popular in it's in its prime period than happy days i loved happy days i was a big fan of laverne and shirley I thought it was a great cast gary marshall own the world uh, back in the late seventies and nineteen eighties. Fan of Laverne and Shirley? I, I was a fan of it. Although I have to tell you, I cannot remember actually seeing the last series. When 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 was the last episode again? It was uh, May tenth, nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah, I, I, so yeah. I, I don't. Uh, I, I didn't keep up with it. I like, but I loved it in the early years. I loved it more when they were in Milwaukee. I'm gonna tell you something that popped in my head. Not everything is, you know, Happy Days spun off Laverne and Shirley, wildly successful. It also spun off a show called Blansky's Beauties, which pretty much crashed and burned uh, pretty quickly. And then obviously the notorious Joni love, jo- uh, loves Ch- Chachi. Clearly, uh, uh, Chachi didn't love Joni too much in real life. He said a lot of bad things about her after she passed. But uh, very interesting time period, 70s and 80s, with uh, a lot of these... Uh, Sitcoms, movie, uh, movie history here. May tenth, nineteen ninety six. Twister is released in theaters. Bill Paxton, Helen Hunt becomes a big. I think the biggest hit of nineteen ninety six. Directed by Jean Dubon. Big. Uh, he was he was a big property. Dubon off the hit of Speed, and then ultimately sort of crashed and burned with Speed too. But. Uh, I thought with Speed and then Twister, John DeBont did some really good uh, mainstream genre filmmaking here, Ken. Yeah, and I'll tell you a little bit later in the show why Helen Hunt is the most hated actress in Hollywood. Okay, fair 
Cannes Week, May 11, 1994. Pulp Fiction premieres at the Cannes Film Festival. Obviously, an important premiere because uh, even though Quentin Tarantino was known for Reservoir Dogs, it was Pulp Fiction that got a massive critical acclaim. Film was nominated for Best Picture. People raved about the screenplay. I believe that won the Oscar for Best uh, Original Screenplay back uh, in... Uh, uh, 95 at, at the Oscars but Pulp Fiction easily one of the really terrific scripts ever produced a unique film really put Tarantino on the mat you have, you have thoughts on Pulp Fiction yeah I mean again it's one of those very quirky and very violent movies but it's a movie that once you've seen it once you gotta see it again this week it was uh, 2000 wasn't a bad year but you know we in the past couple weeks it's like what movie do i leave off for a given year this week there was a bit there was a bit of what movie do i put on for a given year yeah it's a little it's the the quality's not maybe not as good but it's still a lot of good films uh this week in movie history march not may 9th 1980 friday the 13th was released in theaters okay let me talk about this I remember going to see Friday 13th in the theater. My older, my friend's older brother bought me and my and my buddy. And this movie scared the, the living Dave Ken. I was literally on the edge of my seat. I've never seen anything like it because it was the first time I've ever been introduced. And this was the, the, the coming out party for this quote unquote slasher movie. And this movie was a slasher movie. And it was very well made on a low budget, but the audience was on pins and needles. Yes. The killer was Jason's mother, not Jason, because basically Jason doesn't pop up to the very end in that boat. But when he does in that canoe, holy smoke, I I, I was like, I almost fell on the floor. I I hate saying that I was really scared when I saw Friday 13th and 80. And the reason it's an important film, because Halloween, which came out in 78, was not a slasher movie. It was a horror movie suspense film. There was no blood. And when Friday 13th became a big hit, and I mean a big hit in 1980, off a very low budget, the producers of Halloween 2, which came out in 81, said, hey, we gotta go this slasher route and, and amp up the blood and the guts, and, and that's what Halloween 2, which I love, by the way, but it was much more graphic in terms of violence than anything that was uh, in Carpenter's 78 version. Um, do you remember that type of history? What do you think of slasher movies? I, I, well. I'm not a big fan because, as you know, I, I still leave the theater because I get scared by the flying monkeys in The Wizard of Oz. So I, I don't like any, I don't like slasher movies. I don't like anything that jumps out at me unexpectedly. So I can watch a movie a second time if I know nothing's going to happen. But if I, I, I'm not very good at watching a movie where something might happen, even if it's, you know, like a, some, a, a jack-in-the-box kind of thing. I just, I, I don't handle it well. Okay, give me your opinion on this. This week in movie history, May, May 9th, 1958, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo opens in theaters with Jimmy Stewart. A big hit, obviously, an Alfred Hitchcock movie, so a ton of people went to see this in theaters. Vertigo, 
really good movie. Jimmy Stewart, terrific leading man. I had to tell you something real quick before you give me a, my butt. Okay, Mike, the other day sent me a text, Mike Rags, and he was watching Ken Airport 77 on HBO Max, which HBO Max just put out. And I love Airport 77, big fan of disaster movies. That was a good one. Jack Lemmon's first forte as an action hero, a good movie. And, but Jimmy Stewart owns the airline in the movie. And he he was actually only 69 years old when he did that. But I gotta be honest with you, he appears, it almost felt like he was 80, not 69. Like me and Mike were going back and forth in a text message and it's like talking about how people, age differently even in the, even in the, in the 70s and they do now i mean tom cruise is 60 guy looks like he's 42 jimmy stewart was 69 and he looked like he was 80. yeah uh, I mean, and jimmy stewart interesting. He, he always looked old but people yeah people of all, older generations look older to us they, for some I know. reason I, they, for, well, I don't know the reason but uh i i think that was interesting okay <laughs> may 12th night may 12th tv history 1997 knots landing airs uh, ends its 14-year run on CBS. I love the show. I thought the last few years, the quality went way down in the script writing. But boy, in its heyday, uh, as good, easily as good as Dallas and as good as anything in terms of nighttime soap operas. And um, oh, and, and also in uh, what year is this? Uh, I don't recall. It. I, I don't. Have, I didn't write the year down. But uh, this this day in TV history. I should say 20 years ago, last episode of Frasier aired, and it pulled in 33 million viewers on NBC. That was a spin-off for Cheers. Now, and he's gonna, he's done a reboot, not a reboot, but a, a sequel series that he thinks gonna air on Paramount, Paramount Plus pretty soon. Kelsey Grammer, a lot of the original cast are back. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Uh, were you a fan? I was a huge fan of Frasier. Not as big a fan as... Knott's Landing. I actually was a Dallas fan more so than Knott's Landing. Okay. But Fra Frasier was just, again, one of those sophisticated comedies that you, you just had to love it. It was always always a good show. I think it's going to be, because I, I respect the heck out of Kelsey Graham. I think he's a really smart, I think he's a smart guy and he's a good actor. Uh, I, I think there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on that, on, on that Frasier uh, reboot on, on Paramount. Plus, I think that's going to hit the airways pretty soon. One last thing before we get into our main topic. Uh, I caught, uh, I think it's Universal released a trailer to Meg 2, which is a prehistoric shock sequel with Jason Statham. I, I just watched the trailer, and boy, oh boy, it feels like I'm watching a $150 million Sharknado movie. Uh, and that's what they're going for. It's bombastic. Uh, them kicks the shark in the face. Uh, this is craziness. In this trailer, they're just looking for people to have a fun time at the movie. I sort of liked the first one. He stretched that rubber band of ridiculousness a little bit. This one appears to not only stretch it, but break it in nine different pieces. Uh, personally, I'd rather see a really well-done Jaws sequel uh, than a Meg 2, but uh, it comes out in August. I, I hope it does well because I I'm rooting for every film released in theaters to do well, Ken. Yeah, Peter is already protesting the fact that he punches the jaw, the, the shark in the face. <laughs> kicks him, kicks him. Uh, uh, he might punch him too. That's even he worse. Might. Yeah. Yeah. So, are you ready for our main topic? I was born ready for our main topic. Very good. So, our main topic is going to be our top ten films that we like from two thousand to two thousand and nine. Ten through one, for our ten through uh, six, we sort of quicken the pace. Five through one, we slow it down a little. I'm going to let you start, Ken. 
All right, well, this movie gave a great quote here. I always knew you were alive. I knew it. Everybody said I had to let you go. I love you. You're the love of my life. But I saw that movie Titanic where she pushes the guy off with a piece of wood. And I thought, hey, you know, Mama has needs too. So, yeah, I knew you were alive, but I decided to shack up with another guy. So even though you stayed alive with the, you know, desire to get back with me, but too bad. Uh, go off with your uh, your volleyball. Oh, don't have the volleyball anymore? Oh, well, I don't know what you're going to do. Of course, that is Castaway. And that is, that is why Helen Hunt is the most hated woman in Hollywood. She's even worse than Rose in Titanic with that, you know, not... not say, <laughs> okay, I, I like to I like say something about Castaway. I like the film, but like on repeat viewing when I watch it, because I mean, Tom Hanks is fantastic mm-hmm. and 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 uh, the volleyball. What's his, what's the what's the volleyball? Wilson. Name? Wilson is awesome, and I believe that volleyball was an infamy in some museum. But I still think the last act of that film, uh, when he comes back to the mainland, goes on too long. I, I think I just it should have had a, a more abbreviated uh, resolution. I just think it goes on a little too long. It hurts the movie to some extent, but overall, it's it's a it's a pretty good movie. But I absolutely agree with you that they, they should have just pulled the band aid and been done with it. You know, you after didn't need, you didn't need all that resolution. No, you, just went on, you didn't need it. Nope, nope. He could have just told her, you know, that she was just a you know what and moved on. Um, but it, you know, the thing that, to me, <laughs> the thing this, for those people who want to question Tom Hanks uh, acting. Uh, Chops. Uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, th- this guy, you know, his the, his supporting actor in that movie was in fact a an inflated volleyball. So, what are you going to do? Uh, my number nine movies from two thousand nine. Not the greatest movie, but boy, was it funny. I, I I could live without the sequels, but The Hangover was actually a good fun movie. It was, and and it gave us something. I mean, Bradley Cooper and Zach Galifianakis and others, but it it really was the coming out for Ken Young, and how many things has Ken been in since then, who my daughter likes to point out to me, but she's a doctor. You know, he's in fact a medical doctor as well as an actor and a comedian, but a great movie, good good fun. You know, you, you, got, you got everything in it, including Mike Tyson, what more do you need? Um, again, one of those things where maybe we didn't need two sequels, but hey. I would agree with that, but the original is quite good. No, my, number eight from 19... Uh, yeah, from 2008, uh, was actually the highest grossing film in uh, English history for about two months, and then it was beaten by Avatar. Uh, but it did, did very well in the UK, Mamma Mia. The only problem with Mamma Mia is the cast, because age-wise, they're all 10 years too old, but it was a great cast as far as the movie works. I'm probably the only person in the world who ever sat down and calculated the ages. Of course, Allentown's Amanda Seyfried's big uh, role in, in that. I agree. And um, Christine Baranski and Pierce Brosnan. Just just a great... And, and it was ABBA. And you can't watch ABBA without him. You can't listen to ABBA without feeling fun. And it was a great movie. I would agree. And I got to tell you, it'll always have a place in my memory because even though I was a member of the bar of the great state of Indiana since 1982, I took my Pennsylvania bar exam in 2008. And between the first day of the bar exam, second day of the bar exam, I studied by going to see Mamma Mia in the in the movies. And had okay. had Abba been on that bar exam, I would have killed it. 
My number seven movie from 2007. You know how we always talk about, boy, they couldn't make that movie today? This was a movie you couldn't have made 30 years earlier. And I almost had a second one. I almost did, did Brokeback Mountain, which you also couldn't have done 30 years earlier. But Juno, you could not have done that movie in the 1970s, 1980s. Both sides of the abortion, the abortion debate were up in arms, which I love. The, because one, she's considering an abortion. And then she decides not to have an abortion because she realizes the fetus has fingernails. And she gives the baby up for adoption. And, of course, it starred Ellen Page at the time, who is now Elliot Page. Yes. Uh, great, great performance. You know, it's a, a, it's really a com- coming-of-age movie, and it really, it, it, it's the kind of thing where sitcoms in the 70s, the, the teenage girl would get close to having sex and decide not to. Well, this was one, she basically had sex because she was bored, she got pregnant, yeah. and in the end, she does the right thing. But, um, you know, it was a great thing for it. It treated a... And it was a hit. And it was, it's a good movie, and it was a hit, and it radiated with audiences. It's good pick. A- absolutely. My number uh, six from 2006, I have a granddaughter who, for Halloween when she was two or three, was, uh-huh. in fact, Lightning McQueen. I've heard Kachow more times in my life than I've ever thought I would. Cars, the first Cars movie is actually a great movie for children because it teaches you a lot about friendship and family and things Mm -hmm. in life they're truly waiting for. You talk about, you know, people who voice things, Mario Andretti and Michael uh, Schumacher, along with uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., actually voiced characters in that movie. Did did Paul Norman voice in that movie? uh, I don't have, uh, yes, he did. I think he did. I think it's one of the last things was, he did. I know his, he was on. T- I remember him promoting that. It was his last theatrical film role. Wow. Okay. And, and Very cool. But it was a great movie. I'll always remember it because of my granddaughter. I actually, I actually have loved the uh, the Cars franchise and uh, just great, great stuff for kids. So those are my top six. Very good. Listen, those are all good movies, and not on my list, which probably means that this is actually a better decade than we both realize. It just I think is a different type. Of, of, of film making where you know if you look at each decade that we talk about over the last four weeks you could see the evolution in many different ways of how filmmaking and what audiences radiated to at theaters started to change uh before i get to my number 10 i just want to cheat a tweak and say i was very close and like if i had an 11 i wanted to put taken on with liam neeson because i just thought liam neeson it's always fun to see an actor who uh, a guy who could do, Sh- do Schindler's List, and then he does basically this glorified B movie, but extremely well done. Well, one of the great taglines in action history. I have a particular set of skills. That one sequence is like makes the hair in the back of your neck stand up. And I'm a big fan of Taken, uh, so I wanted to just mention that. My number ten, I went with Moulin Rouge from 2001, nominated for Best Picture, a jukebox musical, very different. Baz Luhrmann. Uh, balls to the wall, different type of a movie. I thought Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor singing songs that were pop culture hits. I just thought it was different. I enjoyed the heck out of it, and I like its repeat. I, I could put this movie on and have a really good time with it. My number nine, I went with Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler from 2008. I love stories like this where you take an actor who who is well respected at one time and Mickey Rourke sort of went by the wayside, rejuvenates him, 
makes a big career comeback, gets nominated for an Oscar, won a Golden Globe. A terrific as an aging wrestler, basically very reflective on his life experience. Just, I love watching Mickey Rourke in this movie, and it was a big favorite of mine in that decade. So that's my number nine. Number eight, I went with uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 from 2004, because to me, still, this might be the best character-driven superhero movie ever made. Tobey Maguire is really good, but it has a melancholy sadness that runs throughout his entire running time which really has a powerful emotional uh, resonance for me uh, about the sadness of a superhero in a real sort of way. And Tom McGuire is really good uh, in, in this movie. And, and, and uh, Alfred Molina as Doc Ock is, is, is a good villain. And I am a big, big fan of, of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2, which I still think is the best ever Spider-Man movie. My number seven, I went with... Uh, uh, David Fincher's Zodiac from 2007. It takes place in San Francisco. About ser- uh, the search for a serial killer. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr. Fascinating movie. Extremely well made. Uh, great acting. I am a fan. So Zodiac's my number seven. And my number six, uh, I want Batman Begins because I think this is an important movie from 2005 because... Warner Brothers needed to do Batman and right after Schumacher's Batman and Robin uh, in 1997. So this went almost a decade without a serious Batman movie. And Chris Nolan comes in, takes the franchise over. I love this movie. Uh, I love The Dark Knight and I love Dark Knight Rises. But to me, Batman Begins is, is my favorite superhero movie. It's a terrific origin movie. I love Christian Bale as, uh, as Bruce Wayne and Batman. I love the casting of Michael Caine is Alfred, and I'll always remember Batman Begins Ken because when the movie was over, me and my wife were driving home, we get a phone call on our cell, and it's a nurse at the uh, at the, the, the doctor's office telling us that the test came back, that we were gonna have a baby girl. And I was very surreal to, to hear that because that was my one and only child. And I remember saying, oh, I'm not going to have a boy. I got to throw out I got to throw out the baseball gloves and the baseball bat. But my daughter's become a really good athlete, and uh, I wouldn't trade her in for the world. But I'll always remember driving home, Batman Begins, the word on the phone that I was having uh, a girl. I thought it was a very just surreal, cool moment in my life. Yeah, don't you love movies that you can actually, you know, there's something in life that you remember them by, and it's... Uh, yeah, it's the cool part. And unfortunately... A lot of people in this generation are not going to have that experience because they certainly don't go to the movies, or at least not nearly as much as we did back in the day. Yeah, I almost put signs on my list because that was the last movie I went to with my first wife, so that would have been a celebration, but no. But I have to tell you, usually, and I I try sometimes to avoid the ones I say, I know Chuck's going to have this on his list. I never would have picked Moulin Rouge for you. And I, I really well, enjoyed I really enjoyed that movie, but that's usually the kind of thing that I gush over. But it yeah, was, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. No, I, I I really did enjoy that movie. My my number of, uh, five movie, um, the won an Academy Award for uh, Reese Witherspoon, who's been linked romantically to Tom Brady, and she actually has more money than both Giselle and Tom. So that's pretty interesting. Reese is a billionaire in her own right, but because of her uh, production company. Um, and she, of course, played June Carter. Joaquin Phoenix played Johnny Cash. It is Walk the Line. This movie, first of all, was a great movie. Second yeah, of all, it's a very good jo- movie. Jo- terrific performance. You can't get better acting. The, the early life of Johnny Cash, but it also 
in many ways, jump-started a second generation of people who became Johnny Cash fans. And if a movie does that, it's got to be a good movie. I love the movie. I love the actresses in it. I love the actors. It was well done, and it didn't sugarcoat his life because he had a uh, little bit of a difficult life. And the kind of movie you like, it, and it grossed $187 million, but it only cost... 28 million, so it made 160 million. And that came out what year? That came out in 2005. Okay, let's let's be retrospective here for a second. We're in 2023. If Walk the Line came out in 2023, there is no way it's making that type of dollar at the box office because the psychology is completely flipped. Uh, and, And that right there is an example of how the studio system has absolutely harpooned itself in a really bad way, in my opinion. How much did Elvis? That's a good example of how it. much did Elvis make last year? Uh, it made a hundred. It made over a hundred million. Okay, yeah. but, John, but, but John, I think. It, but I do. Say, but I think Elvis has more flashy appeal. Absolutely. absolutely. Than walk the line. If, if that's all Elvis could make, Johnny Cash would not make that much today. You're absolutely. I, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. Really good pick. My number five. I went with uh, year two thousand. Uh, I went with Aaron Brockovich, uh, Julia Roberts, uh, Albert Finney. I love this movie. This is a movie Julia Roberts won an Oscar. You could say, what's the best Julia Roberts movie? movie? Yeah, Pretty Woman, Notting Hill, I love. But to me, the definitive favorite movie of, of all the Julia Roberts movies, it's Aaron Brockovich because, one, it's a good role. It's an interesting part. Aaron Brockovich was a very interesting person uh you being uh, a lawyer who could re- relate to the legal aspect and the behind the scenes stuff in this movie i thought uh, uh I-, I thought albert finney uh really reinvigorated his career in this movie I always it was a fan going back to scrooge and wolfen uh i like albert finney a lot he was great and his chemistry and banter with julia roberts was great uh this was a really good movie very repeatable. I love Darren Brockovitz, uh, top-notch. Uh, won the Oscar for Best uh, Picture, and it was well-deserved. I wish they made more movies like Aaron Brockovich. I'm a big fan. Oh, absolutely, and Aaron was actually in the movie. She, yes. She she played a legal assistant or something, but yes. she, she did have a, a a bit role. Yeah, it was a great movie. And Aaron, and Aaron Eckhart, who winds up becoming a boyfriend, a, the hippie boyfriend next to her, he's also really good in this film. Yep, it was it was a great it was a great movie, and I agree totally about Albert Finney. And I'm going to talk a little about a little bit about Julia Roberts later, and uh, who is she actually has the best on screen chemistry with. But first, okay. my number four. And really, I wanted, I, I, you know, I'd pick one from each year, and I was already had one, I already picked one from 2000, so I couldn't do, I, so I had to do the 2004 sequel, but it could be either way, Meet the Fockers or Meet the Parents. Uh, meet the Fockers, because you, you know, you had De Niro back, Stiller, but Hoffman and Streisand, just the, 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 the counterbalance to De Niro but with... Stiller's parents. I just found that so great. I mean, I, I like the. I actually like the whole uh, franchise. But um, Meet the Fockers in two thousand four was a good film. Uh, Meet the Parents, I think, was a little bit better. But I already yeah, taken. It was better. I how took one for two thousand. How, how much did that sequel make? You know, you have it in front of you. Uh, Five hundred and twenty-two million. Wow! Holy smokes! D- despite despite mixed reviews. Worldwide, so. yeah, unbelievable. So that was really for this for the franchise, but. Uh, 
But it shows you something that Robert De Niro has had such a broad career that you know he can play straight comedy pretty darn well. Yeah, and he's done so much. He's a he's a comedy coming out uh, Memorial Day Day weekend. I, I don't recall the title with it, with a, a stand up comic. It's, a, it's about about a, he plays a father. Uh, he's he's listen. De Niro's done it all. He's taken a paycheck for everything and everything. This guy's done uh, a tremendous body of work. A lot of it good. Some ah, but uh, yeah. I mean, he was good in in, in that. Uh, franchise overall my number four i went with a movie that is that when I, I i me and my wife drove to the regal theater in easton to see this movie opening day on friday we, we used to do that all the time just drive to uh, to a to a, a, a theater uh in easton because the the uh the, the mall quality wasn't great in strasburg and uh we saw school of rock opening day in the afternoon i didn't know what to expect and when i watched this movie ken I felt like I was watching a classic, and, and I, I had a, I've only had that experience of you to die hard in '88, but it was one of them. I knew an instant classic. Very rare that I say that, but School of Rock in 2005, I knew this movie was a classic, and it's a classic. Jack Black was awesome, and it was the same type of role that fit him like a perennial glove, like Rodney Dangerfield, Thornton Mellon in Back to School. It's hard to get that role that's perfection for your talent. Uh, level Jack Black's, Black's talent level is very high, but School of Rock was an awesome, entertaining, just such a good movie. Uh, and I put it on my top ten. It's my number four from that and, decade. And they actually made it into a pretty darn good stage musical as well. Yeah. Okay. You saw it? I saw it. I actually saw oh, okay, cool. the, saw the musical before I you know the stage Where musical. Play? Where did it play? Uh, I I actually saw it in Philadelphia, but it was on Broadway. Oh, cool. Okay. I my, did not know that. My number three is a musical. It was a television musical, but sometimes we take television movies. 2003, I remember it. It was that Valentine's Day weekend blizzard. Mm-hmm. We had about 30 inches of snow. It was the remake of The Music Man uh, with um, Matthew Broderick and Christian Chenoweth. And uh, also Victor Garber and um, Molly Shannon. One of the really good musical remakes you know there for a while abc fox and nbc would every year or so remake one it was actually part of the wonderful world of disney when it ran but i I can remember watching that uh after uh, a long valentine's day weekend during the during the blizzard and uh very well done it's kind of kind of if anybody i I don't think this had much traction in theaters though if i i don't i don't think it was in theaters it was for TV. Okay, it was made right. for TV. But, but, okay. but, but if anybody was going to yeah. take the Robert Preston role and uh-huh. do any justice to it, Matthew Broderick was, and he did a very good job in it. So that's my very number three. Interesting pick. My number three, I went with... Uh uh, here's another memory I have I'll tell you in a second Rocky Balboa I saw this movie at the Foxmore Movie Theater uh, in, uh, in in Marshalls Creek, Pennsylvania it was the first theatrical film that me and my wife went to after a year because my daughter was born and she was a year old that's the first time we left her with her parents so we went out it was, in an after, it was a Friday afternoon opening day I was a big Rocky fan I didn't know what to expect I gotta tell you, Ken, when I watched Rocky Balboa first time in a theater, it was almost like a religious experience. I love this movie. For me, I still think in 2005, uh, uh, 2006, this should have been nominated for Best Picture. I think it was a beautiful, perfect uh, 
legitimate bookend to the original Rocky. It was a great movie. Stallone was at the top of his game. He wrote the script. It was wildly poetic, very powerful. Uh, I just had an amazing time just watching every frame of it. It's one of my go-to movies at my ice cream parlor when I look when I'm saying, yeah, "What am I going to watch?" I put it on uh, at least once or twice a month. It's still. It's, it has repeat viewing off the charts for me. I never get bored of it. I love every frame of it. Uh, to me, this is a great, great sequel. Rocky Balboa, my number three from that decade. My number two is the Chuck Curry special. Uh, how, about, how about grossing $368.7 million on a $5 million budget? Holy cow. $363 million yeah, in my, profit. It's, it's my big fat Greek wedding, right? It's my big fat Greek wedding. And, yeah, uh, okay. And of course, that the movie, the movie just took the world by storm. I mean, to yeah. get that kind of gross. How would, I, how would you like to throw the dice at a casino with that that payoff? Oh Pretty yeah, it, it starred the late great Michael Constantine. Yeah. I think I've told you before. My second wife actually bagged his groceries at a wide <laughs> supermarket because Michael yeah. Michael lived in Reading all of his life. Um, okay. Um, and you know, Lainey Kazan and Andrea Martin. Andrea Martin. You know, you don't eat meat. I'll, I'll make lamb. Uh, and uh, this uh, September, September eighth, my big fat Greek wedding three is scheduled to be I released. Know. But here, here's a, here's the interesting thing. I guess I'm trying to think of the. This is just off the top of my head. In my lifetime, there's been uh, uh, two sleeper, two couple couple sleeper hits. This would be. Uh, oh, oh, I just thought, forgot the other one. But this would be a sleeper hit that you're not going to see again. Uh, 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 Blair Witch Project was another sort of sleeper hit that sort of came out of nowhere. But my big fat Greek wedding played at the theater that I'm doing this broadcast out of Pocono Cinema for months on end. And a lot of the first few months was, was selling out, especially on weekends. Uh, you're just not going to see like, oh, the other one was Crocodile Dundee, right? Like it came out of nowhere, made a fortune, biggest hit. Don't forget Rocky. Which, Rocky also did that. Yeah, Rocky did that also. But you just, with the studio system now and the way we're force-fed massive popcorn movies, the odds of anything like My Big Fat Greek Wedding happening again would be slim and none. Uh, and I'm betting on none. Yep. And it, you know, it opened, yeah. on April, April, opened on April 19, 2020. Or 2002, sorry, am yeah. I zero? And and I saw it in late December of 2002 in a yeah. one dollar second run movie, the Emmaus wow. Theater. It was yeah. packed. It was packed yeah. as a second run. And I, and I, and again, it goes back to the annals in your mind's eye. You know what's in between years. At the end of the day, this world or this life, this existence, really is about cool memories. And movies for me and you and Mike, you know, it's a big part. Of, of, of our memory bank and, and this is a cool memory to say you know I was here at a certain place in a time in history and movies are a big part of, of our pop culture history and uh, I, I like looking at stuff back and stuff like that I think it's really cool my number two I went with Gladiator from 2000 Ridley Scott's uh, film which won the Oscar for best picture to me put Russell Crowe on the map I love Russell Crowe as Maximus I love the score in this movie I thought Joaquin Phoenix was great as a villain, very emotional, powerful ending. Again, that score was r really good. Uh, this movie delivered. They're going to start filming a sequel shortly, but Gladiator certainly delivered in the year uh, 2000. Okay. Yeah, it was a great movie. I remember seeing that in the theater I'm as curious well. to see what your number one is, because all this is very diverse. Well, very my, my, my number one, and, you know, yeah. it, 
you've you've heard of that movie Pretty Woman, and uh, then they they also did uh, Runaway Bride, Gear, and Julia Roberts. Uh, I think they have the I think they have the emotional chemistry that Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman had in the movie that ended their marriage. When I compare it to who 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 has the best on screen chemistry with Julia Roberts? You want to take a guess? Is it you, Grant? No, it's not you, Grant. It is actually George Clooney. No, okay, and, all and, right. And, I I personally think. It's Notting Hill, but Pretty Woman is, is, is a close second. No, but, but, yeah, tell me why. But, uh, but we're going with Ocean's Eleven, and also they did a movie, uh, Ocean's Eleven, 12, 13, 14, but they did another movie recently about an island getaway where they're, they're, they're exes and they come back together. Yes, they, which they, is on Amazon Prime. But yeah, they, they actually have that great, uh, they, there's always conflict in their relationship, and they play it well. Ocean's Eleven. I love the franchise. I love the original with the Brat Pack. They they came with an ensemble that almost could rival the Brat Pack, and it had one of the better actors of our day who often gets overlooked, Andy Garcia. It was yeah, just wonderful in that, that whole thing. But the, the interplay between George Clooney and uh, Julia Roberts in that movie and then the movies came after that is just fantastic. That's my number one because I really love the whole franchise of Ocean's Eleven. I got a quick question before I get to my number one. If I said to you, George Clooney as a whole, are you satisfied with his, his, his movie career as a whole or you think he could have did more, yes or no? I'm actually satisfied. I, I think he could. I, I wish he did some more. I wish he did different. I, I would have loved to see him do more mainstream uh, work by, by some of the stuff. I like The Perfect Storm would be my favorite George Clooney movie, but uh, I, I would have loved to see him like star in something similar to like what Heston did in Earthquake. Like this movie's more like that. But I mean, I loved him on ER. It's a good pick. My number one, I, I went with Million Dollar Baby from 2004. I loved the film. Uh, I loved it on his first viewing. I, I think I saw it four times in the theater. Hilary Swank, I think, is a very intriguing, unique talent, a great actress. Uh, Clint Eastwood uh, directed and, and, and also starred alongside Morgan Freeman. The three of them were awesome. Won the Oscar for Best Picture. Uh, very thought-provoking. Takes a, a turn in, in a different direction than the last act. Some people had issues with about euthanasia. But overall, this is a dynamite drama uh, that, that I think pop, packs a wallop for me. The, 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 my, my favorite movie of that decade. And I have to agree. And, you know, Hilary Swank has a different look about her, but is has always been great in she everything she's done. She still is. She, she, you know, it's interesting because if, if you have Hulu, she did a show on ABC called uh, Alaska, which, which yes. she's the star of. It was, I think, 10 episodes. I don't think it's going to be renewed for season two, but it's a good show. She's really good. Uh, I find her compelling, and I would watch almost anything that she's involved in. I, I am a definitely Hillary Swank fan. I absolutely agree. Uh, this was fun, Ken. We'll be back next week to the audience. And whoa, whoa, thank you to the Movie Maniacs podcast audience. Thank you. Uh, and uh, Ken, always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Movie Maniacs. Download one of our archived episodes. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts by Federated Media.